Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. I'm so excited. I've got such a brilliant guest for you to listen to this week. I'm joined by Stavros Lynch and his YouTube channel, Stavros969, has got over 116,000 subscribers. It's an absolutely fantastic YouTube channel. It's almost 10 years old and he covers truck videos, car videos and different events as well. He's had over 29 million views on YouTube and he's an absolutely amazing and funny guy as well. I really hope you enjoy today's podcast. And if you do, please do share it with your friends and catch you soon. And I've just heard a voice telling me the red light is rolling and we're recording in progress, Stavros. Stavros, absolute pleasure Hello. to have you join me. <laughs> Hello, how Peter, are you doing? How are things? Oh, mate, not so I'm... bad, not so bad. You join me here at Rory Lynch Transport in Shannon in Ireland. Let me just quickly turn the camera here, Peter. Um, you see this truck here? Can you see yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a Renault. So that's, yeah, that's a Renault T460 Comfort, 644,000 kilometers on it at the moment. Nice. And yeah, we we got that truck used uh, last year. It's an ex-Iceland truck. Oh, okay. So that's one of a few trucks now that we have got used at the moment. We got a used Scania as well a couple of years ago. So, and yeah, at the moment we have about 11 Arctics on our fleet and about five Rigids. Nice. five ridges at the moment yeah, yeah. that's what so, we're operating on here yeah very nice very nice too i was actually yeah. going to ask you, you you recently celebrated an anniversary in the business and got a uh got got a special vehicle how's that been yeah well i'm sitting in it now the scania yeah. s580 v8 uh 3000 newton meters of torque from its 16 liter diesel nice. engine but no it's going great i've uh i've been driving it since new collected it last may of last year and there's now 150,000 kilometers up in it and michelin kindly sponsored me some tires <laughs> so really, yeah? they gave me a new set of tires which is very kind of them uh, to the value of 2700 euro so i have to say that ever since i started this youtube channel 10 years ago michelin have been the kindest <laughs> <laughs> so um, big, big shout out to them but you see peter <clears throat> this truck came with bridgestones okay and if anyone knows Scania's at all, like they've been using Bridgestone's M729s on the rear axle for years. I mean, it's a really kind of old tire. Yep. So Michelin got in contact with me and they said, listen, we've got some new tires here if you want to test them out. So I have the HLZs and the HDD tires front rear and I'm testing them out, you know. So when I reach um, 172,000 kilometers you know we're going to do a comparison um, oh, yeah. because we've recorded the bridgestones they came off at 88 sorry 176,000 yeah, yeah so um, we'll do the comparison then and then we'll do a, a thread you know check and um, mm-hmm. the guys from Midland Tires will be down and it'll and uh, Trevor will be down from Michelin Ireland and we'll all do the comparison and then oh. we will sort out this this conundrum <laughs> Peter right are the Michelins worth the extra 100 euro a tire more wow. than Bridgestones? 
it's around that much more, you know. So say, for instance, now on a six by two mid lift, um, you can order the truck from new from Scania with Michelin's on it, but it's going to cost you an 800 euro premium on top of if it was coming on like Dunlops or Bridgestone. So the Michelin's right, are a premium tire. Yeah. But at, yeah. at the moment, now I have to say I'm getting on very well with them. Now yeah. I have noticed a bit, I have noticed a bit of slippage now, say I'm reaching about 58,000 kilometers now on them. And you know, there's not that grip that there was obviously when they were new because they're they're starting to wear down a bit. But, you know, um, I do find them a bit more grippier than what the Bridgestones were at at the same mileage. Yeah. You know, so we're all doing the same routes as, you know, so it'll be a good comparison. Now I'm looking forward to the yeah. measurements. Yeah, I love that. 176,000. What, 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 what tyres are they? Are they 29580s or 31570s, Janae Stavros? Yeah, I have 315s at the front and 295s at the back. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. Sorry, sorry. 385s, super singles at the front. Super singles. Oh, okay. What yeah, about? nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, mate. Most of the other trucks just have 315s, you know? But yeah, um, yeah these are, these these are, are special. 385s at the front. Well, it's special, yeah, isn't well, it? It's like, a V8. Yeah, but people kind of say, like, why do you use... um? you know, super singles at the front. Well, you see, I, I was always using the standard tire, but I just find that the wear is better because Peter, all of these trucks, when you're driving them for, um, for a certain amount of time, they all start to pull slightly to the left. And yeah. I've tried tracking Scania's how many times? Give it three months later and it's still pulling back to the left, you know? Yeah. So, Trucks, I don't know, like they're so hard to track. You'll track them and they'll go straight for a while and then they'll be back because of all the different roads and you're climbing curbs. And yeah, they're just literally impossible to track. But I just find using the super singles on the front, you know, you do get less of a pull to the left over time. And, you know, just swap them around and you'll be fine. But this, this truck is doing well so far. But, you know, as trucks age, it'll just become more and more that, the, uh, yeah, you know, there'd be a slight pull to the left, you know. What, what sort of but, fuel um, consumption do you get out of it, Stavros? Well, I'm currently getting 9.1 out of this. That's good. That's good, now, Yeah, yeah, 9.1, like, you know, this truck is uh, 2000, uh, 2020, you know. So if you were to compare it to the last truck I drove, which was a Scania R560, also with a V8 engine, 2,700 newton metres of torque, which is less than this, but I was averaging 8.7 miles per yeah. gallon out of that truck. And that was 8.7 over an average of 130,000 kilometers. So that was like a full year's driving where I never reset the trip computer at all. I left it alone. And at the yeah. end of that full year, 8.7 miles per gallon. Yeah. Which is okay. I mean, there's guys driving the same truck and they're there. Ah, sure, I can't get that mileage. But you see, we're not heavy all the time, Peter. Mm -hmm. You know, we could be doing, you know, lightweight and then heavyweights. So obviously, guys that are doing heavyweights every day, they would only be averaging seven and a half. Yeah, you know? I see. I see. Um, I see. So what, what type of worse? What type of what type of work do you do, Stavros? What what sort of stuff are you pulling? Well, it's all it's all groupage stuff. So it could be anything from a vacuum cleaner to to um, you know chemicals. You know. Yeah. Now we don't do tanker work at all. It's all like um, you know packages. You know, so it okay. could be IBC tanks. Or it could be small drums. So obviously I've got the Has license, uh, which I have to renew next year because you have to renew it every five years. 
So yeah, I have to renew that by October next year. Nice, nice, yeah. And um, what, what's your what's your preference? So is Scania your prefer, preferred brand, Stavros? Well, because I'm driving one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the Volvos. You know, uh, we had a Volvo on test now, a 540 uh, turbo compound. Yeah. That was a nice truck now. But the interior is still very dated on them. And, you know, the interior needs to be brought up a notch in terms of quality. Because some of the plastics and, you know, the way things operate, it's not, it's just not up to Scania standard. But then, Peter, you are paying a lot more for a Scania. You know, like this truck that I'm in now, 580, if you were to get the equivalent in the Volvo, it could be anything between 15 and 20,000 euro cheaper. Yeah. So you see Scania, and, and by the way, Scania put up their prices as well, 10%. So, yeah, I was talking to a guy that priced up a 770 uh, February of this year, and it was coming in at 174,000 euro. And he priced up the same truck. Uh, I'm only going back about a month ago, and it was 188. Wow. For the same 770. Wow. And that's a six by two midlift. So they're huge money, Peter. Huge. Yeah, yeah. It's massive, isn't it? Massive money. But like, yeah. Peter, we have never spent this amount of money on a truck before. So it was for our 40 year anniversary, which was last year. We started in business in 1980. Um, we started with a small little Fiat. Oh yeah, yeah thanks. But, but as Rory would say, listen, like 10 years, 20 years, he didn't think it was going to be 30 and 40 years. He did not see, uh, if you ask Rory, like, would you have thought you'd still be in business in 40 years time? He'd tell you like that. No, definitely not. Because there was some hard, hard times in the 80s. And yeah. you see, like the 90s then, right? More and more freight companies were, you know, coming into existence. Like, But Peter, so many freight companies have gone. Where I am now, right? Smithstown Industrial Estate, right? I'll just list off some of the freight companies that have disappeared, right? We have RMF, we have Kirsten Eunuch, we have Reindeer Shipping, Castle Freight. Like, that's just a few of them. Elite Camino, AEI. Um, like, they're all gone. Now, some of them have merged into other companies, but some of them have just disappeared. Dateline Forwarding, another one. You know, so, so many have come and gone, but we're still here for the moment anyway. <laughs> but it's a family-run business, Peter. You know, there's... Yeah. There's six of us in it. So I have I have two, uh, three older brothers. I've got an older sister and a younger brother. So we're all involved some way in the business. You know, one brother is not kind of full time at it. He's kind of part time at it. But um, yeah, more or less, we're all involved. And there's a few nephews involved as well. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, I, and uh, that, that was going to be my next question was around uh, what's it like working for Rory Lynch? Have you, have you always worked for the Rory Lynch Transport or have you did you do do stuff before and then and then come over? No, from school, Peter, since, yeah. since, since before I finished school. So he started in business in 1980 with a small little Fiat truck, 573 UZH, if, if anyone out there by any miracle knows where it is, we're looking for it. And yeah. then um, he, yeah, so he bought a small little Fiat box truck, a used one. And then the second vehicle he bought was a high ace van, a blue one, 771 LIE, if anyone knows. <laughs> Are you trying <laughs> to collect the old ones back? Trying to get the old ones back. Yeah, well, I, we'd love to find the first truck 
but people reckon it's probably buried or rusted to death. Yeah. But um, yeah, 573 UZH was the first. You see, Peter, it's funny, right? I can remember the registrations of like the first five and six trucks that we bought, right? But if you were to tell me what's the edge of this truck here, the daft beside me, I wouldn't even be able to remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just remember the edge of my own truck now. That's it. Exactly. Nothing else kind of like matters at the moment, you know? But um, no, I <laughs> like, you see, Peter, family businesses, they're not all plain sailing, you know? Uh, there's a lot of uh, arguing that goes on, you know, and you go back to some family businesses now in transport will understand what I say when I say holes in the doors. <laughs> now, now, Peter, you're probably wondering what's he on about holes in what, the doors. What are you on about? What is holes in the doors, Davos? <laughs> well, let's just put it to you this way, Peter. Before fireproof doors came in to legislation, right? You had these like really light, weak doors, you know, and they were very good for like putting your fist through <laughs> or else down on your foot level, kicking a hole in the door. So, yeah, we had holes in the door in the old warehouse and in this warehouse. That's a family business, Peter. <laughs> so, and oh, yeah, I'll just give you a quick story there. Right. When we were in our old warehouse, which is only down the road from here. Right. Um, I had an argument with my brother, right? And there's two offices and there's um, like a glass, you know, a sliding glass partition window, yeah? And he threw a stapler at me, right? But he was hoping to get it in through the gap of the window and then ended up smashing the window, you know? <laughs> and I just says, you're some plonker. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, he never managed to get the stapler through the, through the window. He actually smashed the window. Who's so, the most aggressive I, I, with the doors then? Who's the most aggressive with the doors? Is that is that you? Uh, or, or yeah, no, the, no? the two older brothers that are running it, you know, like I'm driving, they're running the business. So they're the ones that are responsible for the holes, Peter. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, but you see, Peter, I, I, I've been telling them you need to get in the fireproof doors now, you know, but um, yeah. They won't be putting their fists through them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there might be a few few broken ones. Uh, one of the next yeah, questions I have wanted... a few broken knuckles. Nice. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you recently was um, about electric electrification. I can't need to yeah. put my teeth in electrification. And uh, I know that's something you've been focusing on on your YouTube channel. Did you did you drive an e-truck recently? And, and what was that? What did you think? Yeah, so last week, Weekend, people would have seen the video. I drove um, a Renault, so the, the D-Series, you know, full electric truck. Now, this was a truck that Renault took on trial around the M25. I think they clocked up 180 kilometers and, or was it 180 miles? I can't remember. But anyway, they had a 39% of battery pack left. So, I mean, this is a 265 kilowatt hour battery pack with a net capacity of 211 kilowatt hour, you know. But Peter the network is just useless. Yeah. Um, Denmark, or, or sorry, Denmark have it better. You know, they're, they're really getting into the um, electric vacation, you know, side of things um, with uh, cars and even trucks now coming down the line. But the range is still not there. I mean, that truck will suit some people without a doubt. But for the majority of us, it won't. Um, yeah, so <laughs> he was telling me that when they were charging it, on the M25, they, they took up three parking bays 
to charge up the truck, like, because <laughs> there's no <laughs> truck bay to charge it up. So, um, yeah, um, the uh, the electric car drivers weren't too happy <laughs> when they pulled in and see this <laughs> truck taking up three bays, you know. Yeah, but you see, Peter. So I bought an electric car. Oh yeah, I must I must tell you something about that. But so I have a charger at home, and I have a charger here at the warehouse. Okay. Yeah. So, um, now now here's the most stupid thing, Peter, ever. Okay. You want to buy an electric car tomorrow here in Ireland, okay? The government want you to buy the electric car first before you put the charger in your house. So then you're saying to yourself, hang on a minute now, like these people that are fitting electric car chargers to houses, it's about a three week minimum wait to have it fitted at your house. Some of them are even six weeks. There's such a queue. So like they're very busy at the moment fitting electric chargers to houses and of course it, they're selling more and more of them each year um i think the first six months of this year uh volkswagen sold like 740 id4s and 500 id3s wow. so like they are selling them yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of them oh yeah and peter um the honda e how many honda e's did they sell in ireland in the first Five or six months of this year in 2020. Have a guess. Have a guess. How many hundred? I don't know. I don't know. 200, 300, 400. 18. Oh, one of them was to you, wasn't it? One of them to you was to you. Oh, yeah. What? What? Oh, yeah. We need to talk about that, Peter. Yeah. So (laughs) I got, I got a Honda E in January, right? And I've shot some videos of the car and I done, I done a thousand miles like non-stop driving it took me what 29 hours and 24 minutes and i clocked up a full 1000 miles so 1700 and whatever kilometers and yeah that's all on my channel and i did kind of expose some of the problems that you have on the charging network in ireland which is the esb electricity supply board so they're one of the suppliers of chargers all around ireland you've got other companies as well but the esb is the biggest so I have highlighted in the past some of the problems with these chargers not starting and they don't like to be woken up early in the morning either. So, um, yeah, it's in, a, it's in a video. But anyway, Peter, I'll give you this information that I haven't told anyone yet on the channel. Oh, okay? exclusive. Love it. <laughs> My Honda E is gone. <gasps> I sold it. Right. So that is the end. I lasted nine months, Peter, and that was it. I couldn't hack it anymore. Really? You see, oh. it it came to a head, okay? So this was all like building up, Peter, okay? And people knocking on the window. At, How long more are you going to be? Oh, Jesus. Will you just let me charge the car? But anyway, so it was all building up the problems with these chargers. So I pulled into Athlone, which is in, you know, more or less the Midlands in Ireland, um, just off the motorway there between Galway and Dublin. I pulled in. Now, I've highlighted before problems with chargers here in this particular location, which is right next to a McDonald's. So it's a fairly busy location. Anyway, pulled in two chargers and one free. I was there. Great. Now, I didn't want to be spending any more than like 40 to 45 minutes. I had so, I had a place to be and I didn't want to be gowling around. OK, so anyway, what's gowling? What's gowling me? What's gowling me? No. Gowling means like faffing around, messing around, like uh, 
being being unproductive <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's gowling around love it uh, I, I, as they may say in some counties in ireland gowling right but anyway so i pull up and swipe my card you know stick in the the uh into cc ccs because i wanted the fast charge and nothing and i'm there like what's going on everything looks normal on the charger i've no idea why it's not charging unplug wait plug in again swipe my card nothing so i decided you know what i i really need to get some charge in this and i don't want to be waiting so rang up the helpline gave them the id number on the charger and she says all oh, right that charger looks to be down. I'll do a reboot, you know? Now, this is after like over 10 minutes of gowling around at the charger, faffing around, okay? So then she says to me, I'll do a reboot. It'll take about five minutes. I'm there, yeah, okay. So waited around. She done the reboot and, you know, the lights were flashing on the charger and the whole lot. And then she says, oh, is the car plugged in? I was there, it is, yes. She says, oh, unplug it and then swipe your card again. And I plug it in and voila, it starts to charge, Peter. Amazing. But here was here was the kicker. This was the nail in the coffin, okay, for the electric car, Peter. I asked her, now this was a Saturday around midday, okay? I asked her, when was the last time somebody charged on this charger? And she says to me, oh, yeah, yeah, I can check it here. Thursday, Peter. So wow. Thursday was the last time somebody actually charged on that charger. So nobody thought at all to ring up the helpline and tell them that it was down. So after that, I said, you know what you can do? <laughs> you can shove it up your arse. I'm done. I'm done. I can't take this anymore, you know? So you see, Peter, the ESB network, okay? There you have a charger down, a fast charger at a busy location. And yet they couldn't get it up and running. You know, it took them, what, two days? Awful, isn't it? And, and like nothing? You know, surely it should have showed up on their system that this charger is down, do a reboot. She's yeah. done the reboot. It only took five minutes, yeah. you know? But you see, Peter, all of the problems with the network, okay? And problems with chargers not working properly. Now, the, the bizarre thing about it is that there are two locations in Ireland with free chargers, absolutely free. You go in there. I've never had a problem with them. Anytime they work, you plug them in, boom, starts charging straight away. Yeah. But the ESB ones, I don't know what they're doing with them, but there is issues with them. And Peter, don't even get me started about there's three cables on a fast charger, okay? You can't charge two cars at the same time. And mm -hmm. I even asked a guy from the ESB about this, like, what's the story like? You're, you're up there in Junction 14 Mayfield near Kildare, just off the M7 between Dublin and Limerick, two main cities. You've got four brand new chargers here, and yet you can only charge one car at a time in each bay. And then he says to me, oh, he says, listen, you can actually charge two cars at the same time, but it depends who comes in first and what char charge cable they plug in first. And I'm there, you know what? I've heard enough, go away, leave yeah. me alone. Like, why can't they, Peter? There's two bays in front of a charger. You've got CCS, you've got Type 2, and probably Chadamo, you know, for the Nissan Leafs and that. Surely to God, it's not within, like, you should be able to charge two cars at the same time. 100%, These are the yeah. latest chargers. They're brand new. They only fitted them there about three months back. 
And yet you can still, oh, like, they're not set up at the moment, you know, to charge two cars. I'm there. Oh, will you go away? I can't be listening to this. So you see, Peter, all of this was building up to the eventual nail in the coffin for my electric car. Yeah, you know? I see. Do you, do, you know, so, do, you know, do you know what's funny? Do you know what's funny? I've just, mm-hmm. I'm just about to finish off the deal. Well, I've signed the deal for the new car and I'm getting rid of a one series Beamer diesel, which I love to bits. Absolutely love it. It's amazing. And I've got a Kia Nero coming, all electric. <laughs> <laughs> it arrives in two weeks. Peter, Peter, I, I want to come back on in nine months' time, right? Hold me to this, yeah? I want you to come back to me in nine months' time, which is okay. the time that I had the Honda E. And I want to hear your thoughts. Right? Okay, I will. Nine I will. months' 100%. time, guys. We'll be back. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear what Peter has to tell me. I'll tell you what it's like over here in England. Uh, Jesus. I don't know. Jesus, but yeah. Peter, this is really going to piss you off. How, how Have you got much more to go? Oh, God. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't. No, no. Could not. I know. And know? I use it for work as well. I use it for work. So it's just going to be, well, it's going to be a nightmare. I travel all over England. Yeah. So we'll just see. We'll just see. But you've you've horrified me at the thought of it. So maybe I should you have see, Peter, to none of the sooner. None of the salesmen will tell you, you know, like, okay, say for instance, uh, say for instance, I still had the car. Yeah. Um, you know, if you really want to piss off a woman, yeah, uh, pull up to a charger with no available chargers. Okay. And tell her, Jesus, like, how long are we going to be here for? Eh, probably an hour, you know, because we could be 20 minutes, half an hour waiting behind them and then go in and then spend another 40 minutes. Listen, there'll be arguments. There'll be arguments. Um, I, I know I know a couple of, I've, I've heard of a couple of people that have gone back to combustion. Uh, I know, um, I heard of a guy with an Audi e-tron, brand new, traded in his S-Class, three months Peter, three months is all he lasted wow. with the car, and he went back. So yeah, well, I lasted nine, so I gave it a bit more time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, Davos. Oh man! Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously, and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your fours are credited or you want to improve your, improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today. Right, so that, that leads us nicely then onto, onto the area. I, I wanted to talk to you a bit more about your, your channel um, and, uh, and what have you on YouTube. You're coming up to 10 years now. Tell me a bit about the story of the channel, how it came about Stavros and, uh, and, and obviously how, how you got to here over the last 10 years. Yeah, well, it all started off back in 1988 when I, when I got my first video camera, you know, like long before YouTube came down the line, I was making home movies, like some footage of which I've shared on the channel uh, where myself and my father went down to McCarthy Commercials down in Watergrass Hill in County Cork and we were test driving articulated trucks before he bought his first articulated truck which is which was in 1988 so eight, we were eight years in business before we bought our first articulated truck wow. which was a volvo f10 320 4x2 and how much was it peter 
1988 because Rory still has the receipt. Oh. <laughs> I've no pounds, idea what. I in Irish know. pounds. Ten, I don't know. 10, 20 grand? I don't know. 30 grand? It was 42. It was 42. Oh, just okay. over 42,000 pounds. Good. Yeah. Very good. Was there much difference between, sorry for my ignorance, between Irish pounds and UK pounds? Is there Was there a difference? Oh, I can't. I can't remember back to eighty-eight. Okay. Yeah, how okay, much of a fine. difference there was. But forty-two grand. That's well. That that vehicle now is what one hundred and fifty grand. You know, all day long. Oh, the equivalent now. Well, three hundred and twenty horsepower. The equivalent now is probably I don't know in around a hundred. Yeah. You know, like uh, sure, Volvo don't even do a three twenty FH anymore, which which is what it would have um, yeah. evolved into. But um, yeah, I don't even think they do a three twenty. But anyway, probably uh, four fifty. Um, yeah, I'd say around a hundred grand in around that. Yeah, but, crazy. But when you think grand. of it, Peter, okay, when we were down in McCarthy Commercials in Watergrass Hill in 1988, okay, like the F16 Volvo had only just come out a year previous in mm -hmm. 1987, and everyone wanted to drive the F16. It had 470 horsepower. It was the king of the hill at the time. <laughs> this truck was like the bee's knees, you know. So. Um, Yes, unfortunately, Rory didn't drive that. Uh, he drove the F10 and the F12, and he drove an FL6 as well. So yeah, he ended up he ended up doing a deal that day, actually. You know, so um, Rory wasn't one of the time wasters, Peter. You know, when you have these ride and drive events, they only want to come down and drive the truck, and they have no intention of actually thinking about doing a deal. Rory actually did a deal that day. Yeah, good for you him. Know? Yeah. So yeah, that was the first articulated truck. Um, so and that was your video was in it, second? and you you were videoing it. Yeah, as early as eighty eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have footage. I have footage on the channel from wow. eighty eight. And Peter, I was like doing all sorts of stupid stuff with with the video camera back in eighty eight. You know, like fashion shows, um, uh, school plays, uh, drama performances at a local GAA club here. Uh, what else was I videoing? Like, oh, oh yeah, I did. I, for for a school group like um a pop group, we did a video down here in the old warehouse, and we had all the trucks, um F sixes by the way, FL sevens going back to the eighties, and they were lined up in the warehouse, and we were using the lights. I had guys in each truck, and they were flashing all the lights, and the guys were singing in front, and Amazing. that was a bit of a music video. Don't ask me where the footage is; I can't find it. It's it's probably not in existence anymore. But you see, Peter. Um, back back in those days, right? I was recording an awful lot, but then I recorded over an awful lot as well. Like, oh, yeah. And you know, like no such thing as hard drives or SD cards, which are far easier to store footage now. But back then, it was just, you know, because we didn't have the money to go out buying more and more tapes. You know, yeah. so it was just record over, record over. Was oh, it was geez. it on an old like, like VHS system, like a big VHS yeah, system? VHS, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that brings back. Yeah, memories. but the first. Like I did, I I did store or share um, some of the footage there from the first ever recording I did, which was in 1988, um, in my parents' uh, garden house out the back, and we shot a, a short video before we went to school, myself and my friend, you know, and it was just like total gowling around, <laughs> just like messing. But yeah, that's what I used to do. But Peter. Just getting back to the channel, like the first ever video I put up on YouTube was actually of a cracked Scania mudguard. And I had a few other trucks here where I could do a comparison because it was not just 
the articulated trucks that were, you know, cracking mud guards. Um, it was also the rigids as well. So it was just a molded mud flap at the end of the mud guard that was moving around and, you know, causing friction and then just cracking the mud guard. People will know what I'm talking about who drive Scanias, but yeah, they were kind of plagued with that for a while. Uh, until they went back to the old-fashioned one, which was just the simple flap, you know. Um, yeah. Before, it was like a molded mud flap, but, yeah, it didn't turn out to be a good idea, Peter. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Scania went back to the cheaper option, you know. Yeah, of course. So, but, yeah, like some of you, some of the people now that know the channel, they know that I did a, a couple of trips over to Sweden. Um, it was fantastic looking at their museum. Scania have a fantastic museum there in Södertälje and the headquarters is there as well. And yeah, the guy that was taking me around the museum, you know, there was, I don't know, there must have been like 20 vehicles in the museum. He says that this is just a small amount of what Scania have in buildings all around Södertälje. What they have in the museum is just a, a, a fraction um, of what they have. Like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And then they have the demo center as well, where you can go down and um, have a test drive of the truck. Nice. It's, it's a fantastic facility to have for Scania to be able to come over, you know, like bring people over, have them test drive the trucks all around the test track and, you know, wine and dine them and the whole lot. It's a fantastic facility. Yeah, amazing. Um, amazing. I don't know what the equivalent of, um, I, I don't know what Volvo have or DAF have. Have they got equivalent yeah. ones? I don't know because I've not been invited to them. So I <laughs> hit, hit nudge nudge. I've, I never. I worked for Volvo for a number of years. Um, I worked for Volvo, and I never got. I never got to go to Sweden. Oh, you know. Um, but Peter, yeah, like, and yeah, they um they do all the research and development up on this hill, and you know you can't see anything really. It's it's uh it's where they test all the trucks and all. But I think they're working about eight to ten years ahead, you know, yeah. in the research wow. and development. But Peter. They have, now I was flabbergasted at this number. They have over 6,000 people in R&D in Scania, in wow. Södertälje. Over 6,000. And it's funny, right? Because when I was over in Sweden there, um, Lef Olsling, which is Scania's former CEO, he was signing a book. He was doing a book signing because he has retired like years, years ago, but he was doing a book signing. And I was in the queue for the book signing. And I've, I bought two books, but um, Peter, I don't speak Swedish and they're all in <laughs> Swedish, so I can't even read any. I know, I know. He signed the book and all, but I can't even read the bleeding thing. But anyway, so I'm, I'm in the queue, okay? And obviously there was a load of ex-Scania employees that were queuing up to buy the book because this bookshop had about, I'd say about 50 people sitting down waiting for Lef thing to come in. But anyway, I, I, I'm in the queue. And I get talking to this guy, you know, and he says, oh, I used to work for Scania, you know, and um, and I says to him, and how many people were in R&D when you were working there? And he says, oh, about twelve hundred. And I was there. And do you know how many is in there today? And he was there. No, no, no. It's many years since I left. And I told him over six thousand. He's there. What? He didn't even realize, oh. like, you know, That's so. Awesome. You see, Peter, they have. You know, Scania want to get into the American market. This is their main aim. You know, they want a slice of that market that Volvo have because Volvo is a far bigger company than Scania. Like Volvo is huge. 
you know. And uh, Volvo have a big foothold on the American market. So, um, yeah, Scania want a piece of that action. And it'll just be a matter of time before they start moving in. Yeah. Um, they've already invested in an American company there as well. So, yeah. Volvo are involved with Mac, aren't they? Volvo are involved with Mac, I think, aren't they? Yeah, you see, Volvo, when Renault owned Mac, okay, um, Volvo wanted to buy Mac from Renault, but Renault didn't want to sell them, just Mac. You know, so um, it's like, buy us out, you know, buy Renault trucks and Mac together. We're not just selling a Mac because that was Volvo's foothold into the American market. You know, mm. this was how they got in. So, um, yeah, Scania are trying to do the same now. But uh, you see, Peter, a lot of people within Scania, OK, not mentioning any names, but they're not too happy with the Volkswagen takeover, you know. All those years that Lef Olsling was CEO of Scania, you know, Volvo didn't have um, ownership of the company, you know. So, like, like not a lot of people are happy with the overall um, takeover of, uh, you know, from Volkswagen of Scania because inevitably the prices were going to go up and they are. Yeah. They went up hugely. This truck that I'm in now, which came out in 2016, it was launched in 2016, you know, the next generation Scania. Sure, the, the prices. Now, it's funny, okay, because when I was talking to people back in 2016, 2017, and you'd say to them, um, oh, are you getting one of the new generation Scanias? And they'd say, no, 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 they're huge money, you know. But now, the same companies have them on their fleet. You know, so, so like, what has changed? I don't know. You know? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. I think the residual values are very good on them. I think they're they're good secondhand, aren't they? So that gap between the new and the used is not so bad if you contract higher in them and that, and that kind of thing, I suppose. Um, one of the things but I wanted Peter, to sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah, what... but the residuals like they wouldn't be as strong as you would think. Um, well, maybe on these ones it is at the moment. But say for instance, okay, we bought an MAN, um, an MAN four eighty. And we also bought an R480 Scania, both in the same year. The Scania was 10,000 euro more than the MAN at the time, okay? Now, in fairness, um, we still have the 2008 Scania, and the MAN has been gone for two years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you would probably say, you know, in some cases, it's better to spend the extra yeah. um, because the MAN is gone yeah, off of the fleet. You know, because of problems, but uh, yeah, ten grand. You know, it 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 doesn't seem like much now. But if you were to compare the two trucks today, Peter, that gap has widened hugely. Yeah. Within yeah. the price of the two trucks, the equivalent trucks, it's like hugely wide now the gap. But yeah. um, no, the MENs, the new MENs are a fine truck, right? But it's still based on the old cab. Yeah. So they changed all the interior and changed a bit of the exterior, but it's still the old shell. And, you know, DAF went, okay, they have a whole new cab, but um, I still don't think DAF have done enough with that truck as well. Um, yeah, they've done a few changes to the engines, but they're still using the same gearbox, you know. Uh, Scania, oh yeah, I have to test drive a 590 Scania. Um, I think Nolan's have one in. I have to test that out because it has the new... Scania gearbox on it. Oh, nice. Uh, this gearbox, you know, the Opti Cruise and this is good, you know, but it's not perfect. 
it 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 definitely needs improving. Sometimes when you stick it into gear, it's like wait, wait, wait. It goes into gear. Um, sometimes it can be you know a bit a bit clunky, all right. And you know you're slowing down to a roundabout. Sometimes I just do it manually, up and down through the gear manually, because yeah. sometimes if you try to rely on it being in the right gear and you see a gap and you press and nothing, you know, sort of like the Mercedes Actros. Some people yeah. will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Sometimes I, I have it with this as well. But, but don't, uh, have, don't have those oh, problems overall, with the Volvo oh, iShift. Don't have those problems no, the with Volvo the Volvo iShift. You no, know, it's a good gearbox, the Volvo iShift now. That 540 that I had, but sure, listen, Peter, I've been telling them here. At least, at least have a Volvo on the fleet. <laughs> and, and I've been telling the salesman here in Limerick, like, you need to keep pushing. You know, like, don't think because they're not going to buy it this month that in three months' time, he may have changed his mind <clears throat> and actually go for a Volvo. But I was impressed with that 540 turbo compound now. That was a nice truck. And yeah. even the driver here that drives the DAF, he loved it. He would yeah. trade from the DAF straight away tomorrow. If he wow. could, he loved that truck. Yeah. So yeah, it, um, they're a lovely truck to drive the Volvo, but they're just dated on the inside. They need yeah. to have a whole new update um, on the interior. But the gearbox is good. Now you can get the dual clutch gearbox in the Volvo, but it's like five thousand euro more, Peter. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, it's a lot of money, you know. And and I was talking to a guy over in Truckfest Edinburgh, who's running two five hundred FHs. One with just the normal eye shift and one with a dual clutch gearbox. And he says that there is no saving in fuel at all. Because mm. what happens is with the dual clutch gearbox driver, all they're doing is pressing it on because it's going up through the gears faster and they're, oh, yeah, yeah, foot to the floor. You're saving no fuel. So it's really only, I would say, an owner driver. If an owner driver wants one, you know, they'll probably spend the extra. And yeah, they'll, they they'll enjoy they'll, they'll enjoy the drive yeah. more. They'll enjoy the drive. Yeah, they? exactly. But not but not for a fleet truck. I wouldn't. I would no. definitely tell them, no way, buy a dual clutch here for a fleet truck. No, no. Owner driver, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Peter, people will have seen as well. If I can just show you quickly here. You see that Renault T? Can you yeah. see it? Yeah, I can see it, yeah. Yeah, so, so that Renault T has the uh, bad steering, as I call it, okay? <laughs> so bad steering adjustment and ever since this truck came out in i think it was 2013 they've had bad steering adjustment now renault have only just rectified this with the new evolution model so finally people now have good steering adjustment in their renault t's and t highs but um renault have been doing a bit of penny pinching lately peter okay because on the new um um we have a new Renault T, which people would have seen in the video from last week, but it has a TomTom, you know, the infotainment screen sitting on top of the dashboard, whereas on the left-hand drive models, it's built into the dashboard. And plus right. on the left-hand drive models, they have a lovely phone holder as well, right next to the infotainment screen. And it's adjustable as well. You can widen it. And nice. uh, that's not on the right-hand drive models. Like that is penny pinch. Yeah, you know? that is, isn't it? But, um, that's, that's naughty. That is but, if, but if people would have seen last Sunday's video, they'll see because I show the differences because yeah. Renault conveniently parked the left-hand drive right next to a right-hand drive. <laughs> so I was, I well, was able to show them the differences. It's good, good, you know? good for you to compare that one. Good for you to compare that one. With, uh, with, regards, yeah. to, with regards to the YouTube channel, when, 
obviously you've been running it since 2011. When did the rubber really start to hit the road? Where, like, what was it that really sort of made the difference with the extra people coming to subscribe and watch your videos? What What do you think has uh, has caused that to happen, Stavros? Well, it's the trucks, you know. Um, you know, the last three years, three and a half years, it's it's all been, you know, trucks and car events because. I mean, the truck videos, it's not really sustainable. You know, you can't keep a channel going just on trucks. And, you know, people will get bored of vlogs. Say, for instance, if I'm out every day and all I video is me doing deliveries, people are going to get bored of that. And mm -hmm. I'm definitely not doing that. But um, I have done the odd one every now and again where I go out doing deliveries. But I wouldn't run a channel that way at all. Mm -hmm. um, if, if there's something interesting, I'll video it. Now... I did have a break there of what about five weeks. I had a break off YouTube, which was great. <laughs> and then I come back with the Renault video. But like my next video is going to be completely different. So people will see, you know, I, I, if it's something that I think will interest the viewer, I'll video it, whether it's a car event, a truck event or whatever, I'll video it. But I'm not into the future. I won't be uploading every weekend. I can't because it's not sustainable. You know, yeah. I've got a full-time job and it was getting to the stage there, Peter, you know, when I was building up and building up subscribers where I was putting myself under pressure to try and have a video out every weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was almost getting to the point where, you know, is this my hobby anymore or is it another job that I have at a weekend? Yeah. You know, <laughs> The weekends are supposed to be for me to rest. And yet I'm putting myself under pressure, um, yep. you know, because you'd be heading off. You'd be videoing back home, editing, and then right through the night. Sure. It was Sunday morning, two, three, four o'clock. Yeah. By the time, you know, there's the so time much involved with editing. There's so much involved with editing, isn't it? Because it, it's well, not just the filming. There's so much time and effort. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some videos like some videos are you know you can have them done in four hours some of them are five some of them are six hours you know so it does like i do love the editing i love the videoing and i love the editing um you know because when you are the editor of your video you you're videoing and in your head is the way you're gonna edit the video you know i i i kind of feel sorry for these guys that edit a video that somebody else has shot because they're not in the mindset of you know, me who has shot the video and yeah, and me that has to edit the video. So yeah, I kind of feel sorry for those guys that have to go through all of the footage and try and figure out, okay, what way am I going to put this together now? You know, yeah, but um, yeah. no, some of them are very good at it, I have to say. Um, yeah. Even even though they don't shoot the video, some of them are very good. But um, yeah, I, I have never had anyone edit any of my videos. They're all edited by myself. Yeah, because I don't really trust anyone. It's the trust. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's not. It's not so much paying them. It's like, can I actually trust this guy? And I'm sure they'd be able to do as good a job, right? But it's just I have it in my head. You know, it's the timing. Yeah. And are they going to have the timing right and all? You see, I don't know. It's just the way I am. No, you're you know, you're, I, an, you're I, an artist. I, I get it. Anyone. You're an artist. Yeah, I, I don't it. let anyone edit my videos. <laughs> what, what? Whilst we talk about that, then tell me what. What's the biggest thing you don't like in the time you've run run the YouTube channel? What don't you like the most? Go on, tell me. What do you hate? Um, guys that promise and never deliver. So you know you'll go to a dealership and they'll say, "Oh, we'll get you this, we'll get you that," and they never deliver. 
you know. Oh, yeah. So those guys really piss me off, you know. Um, I'll, gi- I'll give you an example of one video as well, Peter, right? Um, I edited a video for a particular company, big company, and it was of a product that they sell. And I edited the video. And of course, they wanted to see the video before it went up, which I hate, you know. Because that isn't like an alarm bell for me. They're going to want something cut out. They're going to ruin the way I wanted the video to turn out. And yeah, I hate it when people want to see the video before it goes up. Don't like that. But anyway, I sent them the video. And they sent me back an email with five different things that they wanted cut out of the video. And I'm reading this email. And all that's going through my head is, you have just ruined your whole video. This video is going to be an absolute joke. It's going to make me look like an amateur. It's going to make your product look not as good as it should look. And yeah, I was not happy with that at all, Peter. So I had to re-edit the video, send it back. Then they sent back another video. Oh, you know, this piece here. Can you just do another piece here? Jesus, like two more edits on that video. And then it was cleared to go up. But I swear to you, Peter, I will never video another thing for that company again. Not a hope in hell. Um, they, they ruined their own video. And yeah, I won't say any more because people will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. awesome. But I awesome. hope they're watching because no, I won't video for you guys anymore. Yeah. I hope they're watching. I yeah. think they'll probably know who they are as well. Yeah, yeah, they probably will. <laughs> Amazing. I've got I've got a, I've got a guest. I've got a guest coming on soon. I shan't say who they are, but uh, I've yeah. got a guest on soon and um they're uh, they're they're a sort of fairly big uh, company in the UK um and uh, they have to do a bit of due diligence and they're wanting to see it before before i put it out uh the interview that i'm doing but hey you know sometimes the there's sometimes no 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 so, so, like, <laughs> another, another company another company All right, geez. <laughs> and there i don't really go, know Peter, what to expect anyway hey stavros it's been an absolute pleasure Absolute pleasure having you join me on this Saturday morning. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so Peter, much. Peter, nine months out. time. Yes, nine months time. Nine months. Genuinely, oh. I'll set. A, I'll set a date. It'll yeah. be the summer next year, and we'll have another catch up. We'll have another record on a Saturday morning, and I'll let you know about my electric experience as well. Oh, I How can't wait that? to hear it. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you everyone for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please do Cheers, share guys. it. Thank you, Stavros. You take care, buddy. Thanks a lot, Peter. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.